Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. My name is David Boris. And I'm Frankie C. And this is Everybody, everybody Sucks. Sucks. The podcast where we explore the struggles and triumphs of the journey from amateur to professional. People think that artists are born great at what they do, but the truth is, in the beginning, everybody, everybody sucks. Brandy! Hi. Oh my Hi. gosh. Hey everybody, we're lucky to be joined by Brandy Sidorik. Brandy Sidorik is a Calgary songwriter, live performer, and musician, and is a member of the all-female CCMA and WCMA award-winning band, Nice Horse, whom I adore. Brandy's songs have appeared in film, television, and commercials, including the theme song for popular Korean series Hello My Twenties, which is on Netflix. She was featured at the 2019 CCMA Songwriter Series and was the 2020 Calgary Public Library Songwriter in Residence, which is pretty rad. As a primary writer for Nice Horse, her songs have twice won Country Music Recording of the Year at the YYC Music Awards. YYC is Calgary 2018 and 2021 and Single of the Year at the Country Music Alberta Awards in 2021. An accomplished bassist, Brandy won Bass Player of the Year at the CCMA Awards in 2022. Aside from her career as a professional songwriter, Brandy is a musician for the Royal Canadian Navy, His Majesty's Navy, on French horn, <laughs> bass, and vocals, and was recently awarded a Royal Canadian Navy commendation for creating an online music training program for the Naval Reserve during the pandemic. This led to innovations in Canadian Armed Forces training. She is also a co-creator of Bandy, B-A-N-D-I-E, a comprehensive scheduling app for do-it-yourself artists. Brandy currently tours heavily with Nice Horse and is a sought-after live production coach and freelance performing session musician and a dear friend. Hello, Brandy. Wow. <laughs> Hi, I'm tired just after you reading that. <laughs> I should stop doing some things. <laughs> Man, just half the interview is taken up by just going through that. <laughs> are we done? Is the podcast yeah. over? And have a good night. Brandy, <laughs> where, where, where are you from? Um, so I'm originally from the province of Saskatchewan in Canada. Lloyd Minster is the name of my city, but I moved to Alberta when I was 11. So I've spent most of my life in Alberta. And what made you fall in love with music? I could say, and this is probably maybe too Canadian for our non-Canadian uh, listeners out there, but I was obsessed with a Canadian television show called The Tommy Hunter Show as a kid. And it was like one of those music variety shows and it was it was a big deal in Canada. And I remember watching it every week, dressing up like in all of the clothes from our dress up box and dancing around and singing, wanting to someday be on the Tommy Hunter show. 
I probably watched it like, you know, from being like a, just a toddler until I was like nine, 10. It, uh, it must have been off the air by the time I was like nine or 10. Were there any of like major acts that you remember that stood out? I don't even remember because I feel like I was so young, but I do remember at that age too, I was really, that was the age of Shania Twain's mm. first records coming out. And if I wasn't dancing around to Tommy Hunter, I was dancing around to Shania Twain. I wanted to be Shania Twain. And I mean, let's be honest, I still do. <laughs> yeah, I think we all, I want to be Shania Twain. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. Get in line, Dave. Is Shania like the artist that roped you into music? Yeah, like, I mean, that first Shania record was, and The Woman in Me as well, were, were two records that really did form me as a musician and as an artist. But also a very... The gateway drug for me into music was also Alanis Morissette, Jagged oh, yeah. Little Pill. Yeah. Yes. Like that just, just every song on that record. And she was so cool. And, and I grew up a country girl. I was like born and raised on the farms in Saskatchewan and Alberta. And so country was really what I had always done. But Alanis, she made me feel new things. And it really did direct where I started in popular music. That Jaggy Little Pill album, that kind of transcended genre, didn't it? Well, and I find that Alanis and Shania both had that like crossover stardom where they really did reach so many people, which is, I mean, for sure why they are such megastars. Was there music in your household? There was always music in my household. My grandma is probably the person who I can most attribute to my musicality. It's so funny because I was actually just with her last weekend. I went home to Lloydminster to visit family and we were sitting downstairs, she's playing the accordion and I'm playing guitar. And she is truly the person who taught me how to sing backup vocals. Like we would drive around when I was a young girl in the car with the country radio station cranked and we would sing together and I'd be singing the melody and she's like, okay, now sing something different that sounds good. Okay, now sing something else that sounds good. Like she always would have me just listening for everything. So I can really attribute my grandma to, to my musicality, but my, Family has always been supportive of music, even though I'm kind of the only one that in my immediate family that is doing music. When did you first pick up an instrument? I started playing piano when I was young, like probably five or six. And, and I started voice lessons pretty soon afterwards because my piano teacher, who, by the way, I hated, I thought she was so mean. Um, she, she did do one really great thing for me, which was she told my mom, she's like, look, you have to put Brandy in singing lessons too, because when she's playing, she sings along with everything. Like she couldn't stop me from singing. So then my mom was like, oh, okay. And she found me a different piano teacher who could also teach me voice. So I started with voice really, really early, which really did morph when I was in junior high and high school to lots of classical music. In a house where only country music was being played, I was like, no, I want to listen to Verdi and I want to listen to Mozart and Foray. Like, I don't know. I had this real desire to do something that I thought was different because I grew up in a small town where country was. King. You have a, a master's in classical performance, right? I do. You went for yeah. it. She did go for it. I did. <laughs> like more than any anyone else I know. You're very unassuming with that because, Brandy, you're so chill and like. You wouldn't know that she just is like this super accomplished, like super intelligent musician. I mean, you would once you get get to talk to her. Oh, 
Maybe, maybe we'll cut that part. <laughs> we know what you meant. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so... Thank it's you. like when somebody gets a compliment, but they throw actually in there, and you're like, it's the actually for me. Like, I don't know <laughs> if you're telling me that I'm good or not. Uh, you know. No, I love it, because I actually do take that as a compliment, Dave. I love getting to know people, and I love being a person that has done all of these different things and has these different experiences. And now I'm a vocalist and a bass player in a country band. Yeah. So I wanted to be on stages singing in operas. That's what I thought I was going to be when I was 19 years old. And, and it's so crazy how life just leads you down these different paths. And, and here I am like back at country music where the little Brandy as a nine-year-old was listening to Shania Twain and wanting to be on the Tommy Hunter show. So you're going <laughs> to high school and you have these visions of singing classical pieces on a stage. Yeah, I don't know how I had any friends. <laughs> Being a classical music nerd in high school, and I mean nerd in the most positive way, how does that operate like intellectually? How did you <laughs> yeah, navigate I mean, that? I think I've always been the sort of person you can probably tell just by the things I've done in my life. I like all the things. <laughs> Like yeah. I just always have. And I think the thing that I loved about the classical music world was that it felt so different from where I had come from. It felt like a new adventure to me. And it also felt to me a bit like my ticket to something bigger. As soon as I graduated, I was like, what's the furthest school in Canada that has accepted me? And I went there because I just wanted to go far away and, and do something totally different. And by the same token, I was still that country kid, like going to bush parties, listening to punk music. I kind of have always, I guess, lived in a bit of all the worlds because I like them all. When do you first get into a band? I was in bands in high school, like weirdo little cover bands. I started playing bass in jazz band when I was a little kid. But then when I went to university, I wasn't really in any bands. I was, I was really focused on classical voice and so bands weren't really a thing that I was looking at. So I did my undergraduate degree in Toronto. Then I moved to Australia to do my master's degree. And when I came back to Canada, I moved to Vancouver. And after coming back from Australia, <laughs> I immediately finished my master's degree in classical music and go, okay, what should I do now? I want to start an indie pop band. <laughs> naturally <laughs> like you do after you finish your master's degree there was really cool indie music in in australia that i had really fallen in love with and i came back to canada wanting to be in that scene i had a bit of exhaustion on doing music where it was sing this how brahms would have wanted it sung right. centuries ago and and this is how bach did it back then so that's how you sing it now and i was a little worn out on all of that and so i was really gung-ho to get back to canada and make music that was that way because I wanted it that way, not because somebody else did. Right. So that's when I started getting involved in bands and I started my solo project, which was under the pseudonym Sydney York, which was a really weirdo indie project where I played French horn and ran it through guitar pedals. And, and my bandmate Krista played bassoon and ran it through guitar oh, pedals. And we were like really wacky band. We had an oboe player at one time in the band. It was, it was like totally the least commercial project you could ever think of. And I was also in a math rock band in Vancouver called Beekeeper. And so it was really my Vancouver years that I started really like getting into the culture of bands. It's funny because you make Vancouver sound like it had, it had a music scene. Can, can you <laughs> You're in every band in, yeah, in you Vancouver. Were, you were, <laughs> you were the whole scene, man. You were. Oh, 
but it was so not true because Vancouver at the time had um like I when I moved to Vancouver I actually produced my second to New York record with Ryan Gildemond of Mother 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 oh, yeah. Mother was really Absolutely. big at the time um Roco Code, which also uh, was a really great band at the time, said The Whale, oh, Hey yeah. Ocean. There were some really, the matinee, there were some really cool bands in Vancouver at the time. You're playing in these <laughs> wild bands with wild instrumentation. Um, yeah. And <laughs> the song that you sent us, where is this song in that oh, chronology? Gosh. Yeah. Okay. So when I moved back from Australia, I have a master's degree in, in music. I didn't have a lot of employment prospects. So I went straight back to live with my mom and dad. And from there, I, I started writing and was ready to record my first record. And I was working as a flight attendant at the time with WestJet, just trying to make money. And I met a pilot, oddly enough, that before he was a pilot, he was an audio engineer. And the, the warehouse is this amazing studio in Vancouver owned by Brian Adams. And it's just a killer studio. And he had worked there and he was like, you know what? I have a lot of friends in the music industry. I have a producer that I think would be really great for you. And it was a producer uh, and a great artist and musician um, by the name of Mike Norman who um, oh, yeah. has since passed away, but he is uh, in Canadian country music. He's, he's royalty. Like he was a killer keys player, killer sax player, incredible musician, great producer. So this pilot at WestJet connected me, this little flight attendant with this great producer. And so I flew out to Vancouver just intending to do the record with Mike Norman and I loved it so much I'd never left and it was the song that I that one of the very first songs I wrote which is the one I sent you that is on that record and oh man I I have to say when I sent it to you both and then I watched the music video for it I I had to stop I got maybe a minute and a half in 90 seconds and i'm like i can't even watch it anymore i'm embarrassed for myself <laughs> i really want the link for the music video we're definitely gonna tag that in the yeah, link of that, yeah oh yeah i sent it to you and hilariously enough because you can't get rid of anything that's once been on the internet this part of my career i have actually buried you can't find the music on spotify or apple music or anything like that i took it off i took the it off of youtube but i still found the music video out there somewhere so you can't you can't take it back once you've done it someone's <laughs> out there like haha uploading oh, it every time you take sad. it down and now it will live on forever in our podcast yeah. so thank you oh, for that yes we appreciate yes. you sharing <laughs> Okay, well, I think it's time to embrace the suck. <laughs> this is Stalker. Your face right now. I know that you read my emails. I checked your account and they were in the garbage bin. I need to take a walk and clear my thoughts. But every time I go outside, I just walk straight to your house, dressed in passive depravity. Passive depravity? If you only I would put that in the song. I come for you. Open your door 
Honest and truth? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> if you try to cheat, I'll just let it go. It's much better than being alone. I don't know if that is better than being alone. You're right, it's not. But all those details. <laughs> Remember toxic. the pet names you gave me. I love when you call me crazy it's like my friendship vibe like I'm getting very like alpha male aggressive when I hear that I'm like who's this guy that just said this sorry I keyed your car but I couldn't find but only because I couldn't find a pen I just I love you muffin tin on the driver if you ask me it's so specific I come for you I should just join Sunfinch and, and hope that someone asks me to write a song about stalking and then I'm in the money. <laughs> this is... Should we fade down? Yeah, is this is fade down. Down. I don't know. I mean, it's well, so personal that I'm just like listening to a little bit. <laughs> to be honest. It's much better than so it's funny because there's no chords, uh, right? Like, it's sort of like... Yeah, it's like, like a refrain. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like a folksy refrain thing. Please very folksy back then. I feel like Michelle Branch would have loved this song or something. Please like don't leave me. Please I'll send it to her. Oh, this is interesting. Please don't leave me. Please don't. Man, you really want to stay with this guy. please don't. And then you know. <laughs> Just a little brass band. Celebrate it. Why not? <laughs> all right, all right. She's like. Like get that I'm, out of here. That is that is to be honest. That's the longest we've played a song. But like I was really? so invested in this story. Oh, you guys, it's just I listen to that and I'm like, who were you, Brandy? Well, who were you? Tell us who you were. <laughs> who is that? Who is this girl? See, I think it was loosely based on a few true stories. Like it really started with one thing where there was this guy that I had liked. We never even ever dated, and he had actually asked me out and then I had said no. And then I was like, I made a big mistake. And I would go on these walks and I'd walk past his house. And I'm like, I made a mistake, but I can't do anything about it. And I think it was all this culmination of, well, what could you do? Like, what could you do about it? And I'm like, look, I'm already basically stalking him. I'm walking past his house every goddamn day. And so it just kind of became this like over exaggerated, well, anything that you do past this it makes you a creep. And so it was basically, that's what this song was about. And it's just so like, if you try to cheat, I'll just let it go. It's much better than being alone. No, it's not. <laughs> oh like, gosh. what was I thinking? It's just, you know, think something honest to put in a song, but maybe just don't put exactly that in there. I feel like, you know, at that point, you're like having the opposite issue that most artists have. Most artists have trouble digging and finding their truth and getting those <laughs> details of their story. And you're like, here's everything. <laughs> Too much truth. <laughs> I'm going to make it specific. <laughs> Brandy, did you write that one by yourself? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like at that time, my songwriting career, I was writing all by myself. Like I didn't come to co-writing until much later, like when I started in country music really. So all through this entire time, this was when I was Sydney York as a solo artist. And then later Sydney York morphed into a band. And when we were a band, we co-wrote, but this entire record I wrote by myself. And I think you can tell. <laughs> it, it, Did so you it, say before that these were some of the first songs you were writing? Yes. 
Yeah. Like these were the first stuff you were like, I'm going to give this to the world to hear. Yeah. But even truly like this might've been the third song I ever wrote. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so early. Cause I didn't really write when I was younger because I was pursuing classical music. So I came to writing after that and then literally just thought everything that I wrote was good enough to record. <laughs> How much of a say did you have in the instrumentation? Um, I had a huge say. I love wind instruments. Like I'm a French horn player in the Canadian Navy. I like obviously love horns. And so Sydney York was full of French horn and bassoon and oboe. And so this was pre bassoon and oboe days of Sydney York. But I just loved horns. And Mike Norman, who's great sax player, is on that, which I absolutely love. So I actually love the horn section, but it's probably a little extra. <laughs> I hear like a tiny bit of that singer songwriter influence and I could be totally stretching here, but like it gave me like a little bit of Sarah Bareilles vibes. 100% and Regina Spector as well. Oh my God. Yes. Tons of Regina Spector at the time. Also, I was super into this artist named Bob Evans from Australia and he was really cool. He was in this band called Jedediah and then had started a solo project and I listened to his records nonstop at the time too. And I like a lot of sonically, it sounds very similar to something Bob Evans would do. And he is, he's very singer songwritery. I was really embracing that at like this point in my career. We'll have to tag Bob Evans when we post yeah. this just, just to see if he would ever like listen to this. What we do. I want him to sing the guy version back at you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't believe you keyed my car. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. There's got to be a rebuttal. Brandy, I could, I just could never see you keying someone's car. I like, I've never keyed anybody's car. Let it be known. She was exaggerating. Uh, yeah, but just like, remember the pet names you gave me? I love when you call me crazy whore. What the heck was I thinking? Man, it's ruthless, as they say down here. You know, that's Super ruthless. ruthless. I'm sure if somebody heard me singing this song today, I would like... I, someone would file a harassment charge and a restraining order. Luckily, it's art. <laughs> Luckily, it's art. You know. Thank goodness. They'd be like, "Follow this girl, yo." Did you hear what she did? Just, like, it's so funny and it's cringy. And I did send you guys the link to the video, which is filmed in Vancouver, actually, and it's some of the worst acting you will ever see. And I'm talking about me. <laughs> I will say that because, and you know, full disclosure, me and Brandy are very, very dear friends, and yes. there is a part of me that is sad that she lived in Vancouver during this time that I was in Vancouver. We never knew each I other. Know. It's like, cause I, I, know. cause I remember those days so well. I remember like the bands and the shows and like for all I know, I'd seen her cause you had blonde hair back then. Did you not? I had blonde hair for a bit and then I had bright red hair. I wanted to be, and Shirley from Anne of Green Gables. I was really channeling my <laughs> inner Anne Shirley. Anne of Green Gables, like, do you know it, Frankie? I remember like one episode where she drinks yeah. too much like fruit juice, but it was wine. <laughs> and she's like, oh no, I've fallen ill. <laughs> like, did, did she have a British accent? <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is how I remember it. She's, and the mom's like, like dear, you're, you were drunk, you know? And that was, that's that's, it. that's drama in Canada. That's high drama. <laughs> And I remember somebody like floating away in a river and like, yes, the, in the lake of shining waters, it was called. Oh, you guys, I'm, I okay, I need to. Yeah. <laughs> Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, so, Brandy, you, you write this by yourself, but you clearly are an excellent co-writer and collaborator. So... Where is that shift? Who do you first co-write with? Yeah, well, my first co-writer was my bandmate from Sydney, York, Krista Woodlet, who's just this incredible musician and also has her master's degree in classical bassoon, who is now still one of my frequent co-writers because she is the drummer in my current band, Nice Horse. So we've been musical collaborators for years, and she was the first co-writer that I ever co-wrote with. And I remember our first song that we co-wrote together was called superhero heart and it was like how thor shouldn't be considered a superhero because he was a fallen god instead of like you know had had superpowers from some, some sort of like accident so it's all about how thor shouldn't be considered a superhero that i don't even know, <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that <laughs> like, i'm not a hero oh, i'm a guy I, I could be a hero baby <laughs> if i go crazy then will you still call me thor oh <laughs> guys okay i'm adding you as co-writers on the song it's done let's do it are we i feel like we're doing it right now <laughs> yeah why did you not send us that fucking song? Okay, well, guess what? You're going to have to have Krista on. We will next. have to have Krista Just, on. Just, I want to hear this that can song be, so bad. Please bring Krista on as a part two, oh and, and she can play you Superhero Heart. It's a really bad demo that Krista and I made. It'll be ridiculous. Oh, so That's so cool, though, <laughs> that you two have been together throughout multiple bands, and oh, that you've yeah. been writing this whole time. How many songs do you think you've probably written together? Oh, We've probably written like over a hundred songs together. Is that the most like that's that's the one person you've written the most with? Yeah, I've written tons with Krista. And then also, of course, my other bandmates and Nice Horse. Everybody in the band is an incredible writer, which is great because it really makes you up your game when you're surrounded by great writers. Everyone's doing incredible things and writing amazing, meaningful songs. And so Katie Rocks, who's also one of my bandmates, she is probably one of my like my next most frequent collaborator. How does Nice Horse come about? Like, let's let's take us take <laughs> us through this, because for those who don't know, and if you don't know, you should know Nice Horse is incredible. They're so fascinating that I don't know any group like them. It's like Dixie Chicks on steroids. I don't know, I, but that's not, I'm not even doing justice to it, to be honest, but they're just such a phenomenal group. So how do you get to that? How oh, do you thanks, create Dave. this whole thing? I think sometimes as all amazing things happen, it happened completely by accident. Sydney York was reaching its inevitable end. Krista and I were, <laughs> were, we had done a couple of tours where we had just lost so much money, like just touring and hammering the road. And we were just getting exhausted and we had started to have some success with, licensing in sync uh for tv and film and we were like you know what if we just stopped touring completely <laughs> we could make a lot more money as this band <laughs> so so krista and i had just started writing we were writing for sync and that was what we were going to do we're like we're just going to write we don't want to do the artist thing anymore i i think i got to a pretty dark place when we were ending sydney york like i recall there was this one moment i was working with the military still and I was working as a flight attendant and I was doing the music thing. I was just always working. I was working so hard and I just couldn't seem to get 
music to work for me. And I remember just losing it one day before I was supposed to go to check in for this pairing that I was doing like as a flight attendant. I remember I was in the Edmonton airport and I had to come an hour early because I'd forgotten my suitcase on the plane when I went to the hotel. I was so out of it that day. I was so busy and and worried about things that I'd forgotten my suitcase. And my sister happened to work at the Edmonton airport. And so she came in and I'm like, I can't get my stuff off of this random plane that's sitting here because I don't have the security clearance. She's like, I'll come in early. I'll get it for you. Then you can get ready at the airport before you go to work. I'm like, okay. So I went early to the airport and my sister got my things for me. And I'm in the airport bathroom, like putting my makeup on, getting ready for work in an airport bathroom. And I'm just crying because I'm like, what, what am I even doing? What am I doing with my life? I'm working so hard and getting nowhere. And I just love music and it doesn't love me back. And I just, and as I'm putting my makeup on to get ready for work, it's just streaming down my face. So like, I'm, I'm like putting it on, it's coming off. And my sister came back on her work break to check and see if I was still in the bathroom. And I was literally lying on the floor of the airport bathroom crying and she like picked me up and she's like you can't go to work and I'm like I've got to go to work because I will be a flight attendant for the rest of my life because music doesn't want me <laughs> and, I just... and so she's like clean me up and she like put my makeup on and oh she sent God. me off to work but I just knew I needed a change and so I stopped doing Sydney York and I was just writing so I rented my house out on Airbnb and I went to Paris for a month and wrote Krista came for a week we wrote together. And then after that, I went to Hawaii. I wrote there for a month. And it was on that songwriting trip in Hawaii where Krista came out for a week. And Katie, who is also my bandmate in Nice Horse, I knew her from the Vancouver scene because she was in a lot of really great projects. She had her own project in Vancouver and we had been friends for a while. She came out to write as well. And she was also a great writer for Sync and TV. Um, she's actually the voice of the theme song for Degrassi Junior High. So, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, just come out and write for the fun of it. And so she came out and Krista came out and, and another friend of ours came out. And we just couldn't stop writing. We would write all morning and then we'd go to the beach and have three Mai Tais. And then we'd come back and write because we just couldn't pull ourselves away from it. And that's truly how Nice Horse started. And it was just because we were trying to rekindle our love of music again. And Tarek, our guitar player, joined us about a year and a half later. So it was born from songwriting. It felt like a rebirth for a lot of us in music at a time when we all really needed it. So you start writing with these super talented people in Hawaii, you know, it's the best setting in the world. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you have to get in the grind because maybe people don't know this, but you are a songwriting grinder um, and you work your butt off doing that. Yeah. Was that different? Like mentally, did you have to shift gears a little bit as opposed to like, I'm with my friends in Hawaii, which everything's great when you're in Hawaii with your friends, right? Let's go. Yeah. 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 The transition was very interesting for us because we knew we wanted to go down to Nashville and write more. That was our goal. And, and Katie and I in particular said, okay, we're going to go down for two solid years, once a month. And at the time we were both working for airlines, so we could do that for cheap. We're like, we don't know how we're going to make it happen. And we're just going to start by staying in Airbnbs and we're just going to go and be open to whatever happens. We wanted to expand who we were writing with because we wanted to become better writers. So we did that for two solid years and we actually would have continued had the pandemic not started. But for two solid years, we went every single month. And that very first trip that we went on, 
we went out with a friend to Losers in Midtown. Yeah. And our friend that we were with, Jesse Tucker, who's a great guitar player in Nashville, introduced us to his friend Kirk, who they called Manitoba Kirk. So he is from Canada originally. And so we started uh, of a conversation and and he uh, he was like, you guys are in a band? He's like, he's like, and you guys are down here every month? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you guys want to look after my dog? So we started dog sitting for him. He had two great dogs. And that's how we made Nashville work, coming down every month for two years. We started dog sitting for people. We dog sat for so many artists and and other writers and musicians that were going on tour. It's how we made it work. And and friends Whatever of ours. Whatever it takes, right? And interesting side note, Jesse Tucker is the first person I ever co-wrote a song with. That's amazing. He introduced us to Manitoba Kirk. Which is a great name, by the way. Manitoba Kirk. Is hilarious. <laughs> Manitoba I love Kirk. That name so much. It's hilarious. But we didn't know how we were gonna do it. We just knew we were going to. And Katie and I still to this day, we still dog sit because that's how we've always made it work to do that. And it's made us better writers. And we started that first two years. We had a list of writers that we had wanted to write with. And we're like, if by the end of two years, if we can get any of these writers on this list to write with us, that will be a win. And we wrote with a writer on that list within the first four months of doing it which was incredible. So it's so crazy how something seems so far away, like it's unattainable. And then if you just make the decision to do it, I feel like things, they fall wonderfully into place or they totally crash and burn and you're crying with your makeup all over your face on the floor of some airport, airport bathroom. bathroom. Uh, Brandy, one of the things yeah. about Nice Horse that I think is really fascinating is that you're an all-woman group. You guys all play your instruments. Yeah. You, know, you are an exceedingly accomplished bass player Thank uh you. katie plays the banjo tara rips it on guitar and you got krista on the drums and i'm really interested about being a four piece pretty hardcore band in the sense of you guys are like we're a band band mm -hmm. well how, how has that been talked about this before this is not an industry that's favorable to women unfortunately yeah and to bands too to be honest on paper, we do have some things stacked against us. You're right. Like the country music industry is tough for women. It's tough for a lot of marginalized groups. I mean, half of my band is queer and that can be an additional challenge in the country music space. And we're a band. And a lot of artists in country music these days are solo artists. Like there's way fewer bands and way fewer all-female bands. What we do is is different and unique and it wasn't on purpose it was like we're just friends that play together and it, we just happen to be women but it has been a bit of a struggle in, in some ways but i think that that's why it's been so important for us to have the band mentality like everybody is an equal member of this band everyone is as important whether you're s singing a lead or killing it on the drums or ripping an electric guitar solo everybody's equal everyone's important and I didn't want to be in a project that wasn't that after my other projects, because I do believe there's something so special. And this is how I feel about co-writing too, is that it's like the sum of our parts, like we're all of us separately are not as special as we are as the whole. I think we have something special because we all have these really unique backgrounds. Do you feel optimistic that there is a space for an act like yours in today's market? Um, I think it depends on what minute you ask me. I'm an optimist and I also, when I look at the genre and the scene and 
and the industry right now, I think, yes, of course. It seems like a no-brainer to me. But sometimes I'm like, why is this such a no-brainer to me? And yet it's hard. Like We often have been met with comments like, well, you're probably a novelty band or, you know, we go to a show and we're literally walking in with instruments and people go, where's the band? We're like, hi, hi. There was a moment in, in the Nice Horse Music career that I will remember and I will never forget this moment. And it really led to how much responsibility I feel as a female artist and musician. And it's a responsibility we feel in Nice Horse. I don't think we should have to feel it, but we do. We played this music festival and I remember our agent saying that the promoter was a little iffy on hiring an all-female band. And we have a great agent and he convinced this festival promoter that we were a perfect fit for the festival. And, and so we went and we played and we put on a great show. And afterwards, that promoter came up to us and he said, man, I'm really grateful that I hired you because a couple years ago we had another all-female band and they weren't very good. And I said to him, have you ever hired any all-male bands that weren't very good? And then never again hired another all-male band in your entire <laughs> life? It doesn't make any sense, but I feel like as an all-female band, which is unique in, in the country music space, other female artists are measured against us. And it's not right. An artist should be able to speak from themselves and should not be measured against, you know, stereotyped based on any other artist in the space. But unfortunately, that does happen a lot to female artists. And I could be mad about it, but I take that as a responsibility for Nice Horse to kick the door open for everybody else. I want to be not just as good as my counterparts and my colleagues in the industry. I want to be three times as good so that when we go on stage, no one can deny it. And no one can say to the next female artist coming through or the next female band, well, Nice Horse wasn't very good, so we're not going to hire you. And they shouldn't be saying it, but I don't want to even give them the chance. That's a big responsibility to feel like you have to carry. Yeah, it's yeah. it sometimes feels crushing, but it does motivate me because I want to change country music. How do you keep your optimism? I think it's because I'm, I'm highly persistent and I, I love what I do, even when it lets me down and I can't get away from that. So I have to believe that the industry can be better because I have a love affair with music and country music in particular that I just can't let go of. You've come such a long way from your journey from the song you've showed us in the beginning, Stalker. Yeah. If you were looking at yourself the day you wrote that song and you could give yourself three pieces of advice, what do you think they would be? Embrace things that scare you. Everything I've done, the best parts of it have been things where I've been asked to do something or I've been given an opportunity and I'm fucking terrified to do it. And I say yes, and I figure it out. And that's like the reason that I have done so many amazing things in my career. Like one time I was asked to be the musical director for Trixie Mattel, who's this massive drag queen. And I was a huge fan and I'm like, I'm not a musical director. I've never musical directed anything other than my own band. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna say yes. And I just figured it out. So that's my first piece of advice. My second one is everybody in this industry has an opinion even when they shouldn't. If you ask somebody for their opinion, they're gonna give you one, even if they don't actually know. And so I think it's a matter of knowing that when, when people point out obvious things to you, they're like, oh, well, you're too much this or you're too much that. Those are the things that probably make you the most unique. 
And they're probably the things that are the most special about you. And so think about that when you're getting that advice, because sometimes those are the, actually the things you should be leaning into so that you don't just become like every other artist on the block. I just want to say that fucking chokes me up. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I feel that. I remember when I was in Sydney, York, I remember someone telling me that if I wanted to get ahead in music, I should stop dressing like a librarian. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> and so, I'm going to need a separate podcast for the shit people say in meetings. I know. <laughs> okay, so three. Yeah, three. Okay, this is something that I felt... Uh, has plagued me my entire career. I hear it so often from younger artists and all often particularly younger female artists that there's this clock because of ageism and you're running out of time. And I thought that when I was younger and I made decisions, rushed decisions for my career based on the fact that someday I thought I was gonna be too old to do it. When younger artists say that to me, I tell them how old I am. And here I still am, and I'm still doing this. And my career has not gone downhill from when I was 21. My career is still going uphill. Wow. Well, there you go. I feel heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I'm totally fine with saying I'm turning 40 this year. I like to say that because number one, I'm proud. I've had great musical experiences because I'm turning 40 this year. And I've done great things with my music career because I've had those years. I want the 21 year old artists out there to know that you can still be doing it now. Yeah. You're at the yeah. top of your game and still going up. Yeah. They can uh, do it too. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the song that you've brought. This is like a very brand new Nice Horse song. And it's our current single. This song was the product of the dog and pony show uh brandy and katie going down to nashville and dog sitting for, for people we were down there on a dog sitting trip and we had a co-writing session with danik dupel a great producer and from the band emerson drive and uh jimmy thow we're having him on an episode you're having him yeah, on amazing yes i mean jimmy's incredible and uh i think this was a perfect example of a song where it's four writers in the room and it just it absolutely fell out of us. This song means so much to me. And one of the biggest reasons it means a lot to me is being an all-female band with half of our members being queer. It was really important for me to have gender neutral pronouns in the second verse. And there were some conversations throughout the process from writing to production to releasing this song about whether that was the right move or not. And I just felt like it was the only move because I feel like it embodies everything that Nice Horse is. Well, Brandy, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, um, I, thank thanks. you guys. So this was so fun. For our listeners out there, if you don't remember, I'm David Boris. And I'm Frankie C. And remember, everybody, everybody sucks. From Nice Horse, this is Things I Wish I Didn't Know. That four by six of us up on the fridge Friday night at the five and dime in the corner booth Baby, how could I forget That Sunday on your lips Still tasted every time I think of you And I'm like, oh, 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 can't let it go Oh, oh, cause I heard someone new, new, 
Putting me 